0: reading Genesis 2 15 through 25 the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it and the Lord God commanded the man saying you may surely eat of every tree of the garden but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die then the Lord God said there was not found a helper fit for him so the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up his place with flesh and the rib that the lord god had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man then the man said this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and his wife and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed
1: The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings, that's what Genesis means. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That means that in six literal days, God spoke day after day and created everything that is. On the sixth day, He created man. He created him from the dust of the ground and then breathed into him spirit so that man who is made in in the image and likeness of God is different from all animals, all of creation. Man is the masterpiece of God's creation for only man is made in that image And only man has an everlasting spirit. I did not say eternal. Paul, I don't recognize you with the new haircut, but that that is Paul sitting there, right? Okay. Um, You know, there's a difference in eternality and an everlasting spirit. God is eternal. Charlotte, that means he has always existed and he will always exist. Man has not always existed. Paul has not always existed. But once his soul became, it was made at conception. Paul is an everlasting soul and everlasting spirit. That's true of every one of us. I'm not just picking on Paul. We need to understand the difference in eternal and everlasting. You are an everlasting being. Even when your body dies and is planted in the ground from which it came, you have an everlasting breath. That is your spirit. That's what the word spirit means. God breathed that into you. God created everything. And Jackie, he, that's what happens when you sit in the front row, you get your name called, right? Right? Uh, by the way, I need more of you to sit in the middle because it helps my preaching and it looks better on camera. <laughs> you spread out and people, people who are at home don't know that there's anybody here. So, you now, what was I saying? God looked at everything He created day by day and Toddy t- said, That's good. That's good. But he came to a time when he said, it's not good. And it was when he said, June, he said, it's not good for this mankind, this Adam, this man to be alone. And so I am going to create a helpmate for him. Now understand, God created man for intimacy. He wanted man to have primarily intimacy with God. Now some of you may struggle with that idea, intimacy with God, and it's because we've always equated intimacy with physical intimacy, and if I can say the word in a Baptist church, sex. And that's that's not the real meaning of the word. Uh, That's only a part of it and not necessarily a part. God wants a deep, abiding relationship with you. In fact, I'll begin where most preachers end. If you've never come to Christ and repentance and faith, believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, inviting Him to have your life and indwell you, to save you, God brought you here this morning. You are sitting here now because God wants an intimate relationship with you. He doesn't care about your religion. He's not hung up on your past. He's not put off by your present. He wants to change you. And He wants a relationship with you a deep, abiding relationship. Uh, If you're a church member who's backslidden, if you're a church member, you probably know what that Baptist terminology means and the visitors who, you know, other people don't know, but you know. How do you know if you're backslidden? If you wonder if you are, you probably are. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants a renewed intimate relationship with you and you and I were created for intimacy with God. But it's like the little girl whose mom died. The dad heard his daughter crying in the middle of the night. Got up and went, Jamie, to see about the little girl. Tried to comfort her. She said, I just feel so alone since mom's gone and the dad said well you know honey you're not alone god is with you and the little girl looked at her dad and said yeah but sometimes i need somebody with skin on did you ever need somebody with skin on of course you did you know why because you and i are created for relationship that that is how god made us and we, He made us for intimacy with Him, but He crea- created us as relational beings, and so we need each other. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And from Adam He made woman. And men and women to this day, through eternity, Need intimate relationships. Now, we've been talking about a life-changing marriage, and what we mean by that is God wants to change your marriage for it to be a happy, satisfying relationship. And I want you to understand, some of you will say, well, I'm not married. Maybe you're a widow, widower. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're not old enough to be thinking about marriage yet, so don't. But understand the principles that I'm talking about. We all need intimate relationships. If it's not marriage, then it's friends. And especially same-gender friends. We need relationships. And relationships require intimacy. And so what I want to speak to you about, about your marriage and about your friendships, is how to build intimacy in your relationships, especially in a marriage. Listen, if if there is no intimacy in your marriage, then something is wrong, your marriage is in danger, and you can save it by building intimacy in your relationships. It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Now, Adam and Eve were united, they were one flesh, they too were one. By the way, um, one of the best books on marriage that I've ever read is Boundaries in Marriage by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Boundaries in marriage. Some of you have read the book Boundaries. The thing I don't like about the book Boundaries is it was written for a secular audience and they left out the verses. Biblical principles, but the verses are not there. And boundaries in marriage will most likely save your marriage if you're struggling with intimacy, if you're struggling with boundaries, control issues, uh, boundaries with marriage. And the, and the verses are included In the book it is a biblical book I can recommend it to you notice that in the book Cloud and Townsend say it takes two to be one so what do you mean by that it means that one and a half and a half can't be one somebody is codependent somebody has control issues you see Sam, in the, in the garden, it was a perfect relationship. But then sin came in. What happened actually when sin came in? All of a sudden, they're hiding. They're covering, they're hiding themselves from each other. Uh, was it Don that read? I was standing backstage. I think I had asked Don to read. And it, it, Don is definitely definitely from the south because I noticed when he said, if you're from the north, you may say naked, but if you're from the south, you say naked. (laughs) Don's from the south. But they were naked and not ashamed. There was no shame. There was no fear. But when sin came in, All of a sudden, they realized their nakedness and they started covering up. Who was going to see them? Each other. There were no neighbors. There was nobody else to worry about. But all of a sudden, fear and shame entered the relationship. They started blaming each other. The woman you gave me, by the way, Timmy wasn't just blaming the woman, He's blaming God. God, it's your fault. You gave her to me. It's your fault. So there's fear, there's shame, there's blame, there's hiding. And intimacy was destroyed by sin. And guess what? It still is. The devil wants to destroy your marriage. The devil wants to destroy your friendships. The devil wants to destroy your relationship with other believers and he brings fear and jealousy and distrust, hiding, blaming. And it's up to us to allow the Spirit of God to dwell in us and to grow the fruits of the Spirit in us so that we cast out, love cast out all fear. So that we build intimacy. But I have to be careful whose name I call when I'm preaching on something like this. So, Cheryl, I was about to call your name, but I just, it's not because of anything. But we have to understand you have to be two to be one. It's not that we make each other whole. You complete me. No. You're complete in Christ. And if you're not whole, you're not supposed to be codependent upon your spouse. You're supposed to be two individuals who build intimacy to be one. You don't encroach on your mate's individualism. You live with it in a deep, abiding way. That is a principle that I've seldom heard. It takes two to be one. By the way, it doesn't take three. Three doesn't work. And I'm going to preach about three can't be one next Sunday evening in a sermon titled With what are you filling that hole in your heart? If you wonder what that means, come in here. Three can't be one. It takes two to be one. That is God's plan. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Listen, intimacy allows healthy boundaries so that... I don't tell Brenda, you can't feel that way. You have no business feeling that way. (laughs) By the way, saying that doesn't work anyway. You have to controlling, demanding, violating. It takes two to be one. There needs to be, I threw the book on, I can't hold it up again. There needs to be boundaries in marriage, but not walls. They're not the same thing. And the trouble is the devil puts the emotions in us, the sinful thoughts in us, and John David, we want to build a wall, not a boundary, a limit. We want to wall the other person out. And that is destructive in marriage, and it's because of sin. There is no fear and no shame in oneness. Listen, deep relationships require intimacy in three areas. Because, how how do I know that? Because God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know how He made us in His image? We are in three parts. Now, we're not three persons. Only God can be three persons and one person. But we, as mankind, have three parts to us. He says, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole, your entire spirit, and soul and body be kept blameless. There's three parts to us. And if we are going to have real, genuine intimacy, it has to be in all of our parts. Spirit, soul, and body. And so I want to talk with you about being intimate in our spirit. Spiritual intimacy and realize when i talk about spirit i'm talking about the breath i don't i don't know how else to describe spirit it is can you can you see your breath what yeah only if the humidity is high and the temperature is low right you can see your breath otherwise you don't see air you don't see the air around you right now such is the spirit the wind blows where it wishes and so is the spirit of God. The man, a man's spirit, at least it cannot be seen. It's the invisible part of us, but it is the everlasting, I almost said eternal. It's the everlasting part of us that will never go away. It may be separated from God, but it will never cease to exist. That is the place where when we are saved, the Spirit of God indwells. And so He helps us when we don't know what to pray for. He helps us by convicting us of our... our, by leading us. That is our spirit. That's what we're talking about. And a couple, if your marriage is going to be what it needs to be, you need to have spiritual intimacy. What does that mean? Well, for one thing, it means an individual relationship with God. You heard what I said, it takes two to be one. It's, I cannot have a relationship with God for me and for my wife. I, I've, I've told some of you, Brenda is a prayer warrior. She she has a when she prays, man, there is a direct line to heaven. And if anybody in our household would have dominated spiritually, it would have been Brenda because of the relationship that, he, that she has. I have to have my own relationship. Um, dad, father, husband, you're supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home, but you cannot have a spiritual relationship in the place of your wife. Um, I didn't draw a triangle up here, but people who t- teach about Spiritual intimacy in marriage usually talk about both people having a vertical relationship with God and that your horizontal relationship, that is your relationship with each other, husband and wife, is only strong if you each have a vertical relationship with God. That's very true. Each of you must have an individual relationship with God or you're not going to have spiritual intimacy in your marriage. That's why Paul, by inspiration of God, commands a person who is saved not to marry someone who is unsaved. But he also says, if you're in that situation, don't leave them because you might lead to their saving. If there's a spouse in here who's not saved and your husband, your wife, your spouse is, you need to come to Christ. The best thing that could happen to your marriage could happen right here, right now, before we even get to the end of the sermon. You just admit that you need to be saved and believe in Jesus to do it. Believe He is who He says He is. He will do what He says He will do and call on Him in faith. That may be the very thing that saves your marriage. And I will tell you, if you are in a marriage where one of you is not a Christian, or if both of you are not a Christian, not saved, your marriage will never have spiritual intimacy. You must have an individual relationship with God. You must have a shared, a shared spiritual relationship i don't know we we were talking about how we do devotions and both todd and i agreed that in our homes our wives have their own devotions and we have our own and somewhere along the way we share during that morning or in the days to come we share what we have what god's spoken to our hearts and, and I said there have been times that Brenda and I would look up from our Bible reading, and we didn't. We were not studying the same thing. We were not on the same schedule. But I would say to her, or she would say to me, "I've got something I've just got to share with you." She says sometimes, "Can I interrupt you? I got to share this." Yes, that builds spiritual relationship. Share. What God's doing in your life. And that might even be, you have to say, I'm backslidden, I, I feel cold. I, my relationship with God is not what it used to be. That remember, no shame, no hiding, transparency. And so you share and you build spiritual intimacy. In your marriage you want to take the next step serve in ministry together find something in this church in the community something that you can serve some way to serve God and do it together you know even if you end up in different classrooms serving together and knowing each of you is serving God in the church and being able to talk about it Oh, listen, couples need something to talk about besides the kids and finances. And the work of the Lord is a good thing to talk about. And working in ministry together is a way to build spiritual intimacy in your relationship. And then there is soul intimacy, spirit, soul, and body intimacy of the soul well what is the soul if the spirit is the invisible part what is the soul well it's three parts and i'm going to talk with you about that here we are three parts of three parts three parts of the second part first of all it's your mind it's your mind your intellect now i guess the scientists would say that's your brain yes that's where that But regardless of where it's located in your body, every one of us have an intellect. Um, Charlotte, even blondes have an intellect. (laughs) You know, we have jokes like that. It used to be that women were considered brainless. Have you noticed that Hollywood has flipped the coin and now men are considered brainless? And the truth is, we all have one. Sometimes we use it poorly. But we all have an intellect. And intimacy in relationships, and especially marriage, means that we acknowledge the other person's thoughts. You don't say, well, you're crazy. You listen to each other's thoughts and you communicate. Allow the other person to have a different thought than you do. You know, that's something we're losing in the United States, being able to think differently and still get along, love each other. Husband, listen to your wife. She's not brainless. Wife, listen to your husband. He's not a doofus, despite what Hollywood says. And that intellectual discussion needs to happen in your marriage, and if it is not happening, you're missing intimacy. By the way, guys, I learned a long time ago that I don't see everything just right. And my wife has an intuition. God gave her as a gift to me with intuition that I need to listen to. That may be the same with you. We need to talk it out. We need to allow each other to think. What? Listen to your spouse, your friend. Listen to their thoughts, building intellectual intimacy. And then your soul is also, number two, your emotions. There's a difference between your thoughts and your emotions. By the way, you need to be controlled by your spirit, by your mind, and not by your emotions. If you are emotionally driven, you are in for a train wreck, probably already been there multiple times. You do what's right, and your emotions will follow. But we are an emotional being. I had a, I counseled, mentored a young lady who said to me, well, my problem is I don't have any emotions. And I said, really, none? She said, no, none. I said, well, how does that make you feel? (laughs) She discovered she had emotions. (laughs) She may not be as emotional as some women and some men are, But everybody has emotions, and you need to allow your spouse to share their emotions. Now, generally, women don't have any trouble with that. I've met some men who have the gift of sharing their emotions, and it's hard to handle them. There needs to be a limit to that. And I've said in this service before that women, your husband can only only handle a certain number of words and you need a girlfriend, lady. You need a girlfriend on whom you can unload so that when you get home to your husband you can give him the short version. And every man said... (laughs) And men... You need to learn emotional language and communication. And all the women said, You need to be able to say, When that happens, I feel threatened. You need to be able to be honest with your wife and say, I'm afraid because I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid, I I get angry too quickly. Pray for me that I'll be able to control my anger. Own your emotions and communicate your feelings and you will build a depth, emotional intimacy in your marriage. Then number three, your soul also includes what we call your volition. That just, Michael, that just means choosing because we're made in the image and likeness of God he gives us the ability to make choices and in our marriage we need volitional intimacy that one does not totally run roughshod over the other but we make decisions together we discuss things we talk over the positives and the negatives and we don't do something until we are both, for the most part, 80% at least on the same page. Sometimes husbands and wives, Kelly and Nick, never get more than 80% on the same page. God made us different, and it takes two to be one. But somewhere along the way, you have to make a decision. But there needs to be intimacy and that process of decision Making, I tell you that if you don't have that in your marriage, you are missing intimacy, and I would recommend that you work on that. Todd, I told you when I was thinking about this that I would apply this to the staff, and I almost forgot to do it. The same thing's true on our church staff. In all these ways we're talking about, intellectually, emotionally, Volitionally, we work on those spiritual intimacy we work on. So it's not just marriage, Larry. It's, it's our relationships with other people. But then we get to the physical intimacy. And there are some severe boundaries when it comes to physical intimacy. Now, when I said intimacy, most thought immediately about sex. And there. That is an important part of what happened in the Garden of Eden, that, what I I would call the act of marriage. Now that's a title of a book by Tim and Beverly LaHaye, and it's a good book, and it's about just that, the act of marriage. When I became, when I was dumped into counseling. I would never talk with a couple, missionary couple who's primarily who I was counseling with, about their love life. And Robert, my mentor, Robert Francis, pulled me aside and said, you have to. He said, that may not be the problem, but it will at least be a symptom of the problems going on in the marriage. And so the act of marriage, the physical intimacy is a huge part of marriage and make sure that you are whole and there is counseling for that but understand something god is the one that created the act of marriage it's not a sinful thing it's god's creation for the happiness of the of of mankind he created the act of marriage for our benefit But understand that physical intimacy in the act of marriage helps us understand the depth, the closeness of the spiritual relationship that God wants with us. That is, it is a picture of that. And so God is pleased when He sees physical intimacy in marriage, and He wants us to understand. I want that depth. I want that closeness with you spiritually. There also needs to be non-sexual touch in the relationship. I'm a hugger. And I don't just hug my adopted daughters. I hug Todd. I hug John. I know that there are some men who's... Shy away from that and I don't hug him. I don't hug Joe. I'm afraid he might hit me, Karen. There are just some people. I understand that. But with with guys like Joe, I give Joe a hard handshake. You know what I mean? No, I don't like limp handshakes, you know. We give a guy, Joe, a slap on the back. Not too hard, because it hurts. Just sometimes it's just a. But there's something about touch healing, helping, encouraging. Most everyone likes appropriate touching. You just have to learn where the boundaries are for each individual. But non sexual touching builds intimacy and relationships. And one of the huge things is just physical presence. For guys, sometimes it's doing something together. One of my best friends in Kenya, we never talked, but Alan, we ran around the track running three and four and five miles if we ever talked it was like come on Lynn, you can do this keep going great friend seldom talked about anything else but we did things together husbands your wife needs your presence your children need your physical presence it's too easy to get caught up and making money to pay the bills, and they'd rather have you. Your wife the same way. Physical intimacy sometimes just means sitting together, holding hands, talking a physical being there, somebody with skin on and being together. Listen to me. Intimacy in spirit, soul, and body make for a happy, satisfying marriage. And that's what God wants for you. I've already talked about God wanting a personal relationship with you. I've already talked about salvation, and if I can help you with that, if Todd can help you with that, we're available. But I want to challenge you. Would you just take that worship guide and under those three things, spirit, soul, and body. Come on, pull it out, get your pen. And under each one, Macy, I want you to rate your relationship with God and with your fiance. One to 10, where is it? I want you, Jackie, to rate the soul, intellect, emotion, volition. Where are you in your marriage between one and 10 on each of those three? Where are you then, whose name shall I call? Where are you in your physical intimacy in your marriage? Write it down, one to ten. And then my question for you is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I didn't preach this sermon just as an intellectual exercise, this is to help you. What are you going to do about it? I pray for you, each and every one of you, to have a meeting with God right now about your relationships, whether it's marriage, friendship, about your relationships, that God would give you great intimacy with Him and with them. I pray that that happens. God bless you.